You know, as I read this passage, a story came to me, and I'm feeling very nostalgic this week because it has been a 100-degree weather, and I'm from Brazil, so I was reflecting on this passage, and I remembered about the World Cup in 2014. Okay, maybe you don't know anything about soccer, but soccer is our almost religion. We love soccer. We play soccer. We grew up playing soccer. And when the World Cup comes, the country stops. You can actually take a half day off from your work and you can watch the game because we love the World Cup. Now, we were going to host the World Cup. So it was one of the most important you know, moments for us. After 64 years, we're going to host the World Cup again. So we hosted a championship that is called the Confederations Cup one year prior to the World Cup, and we won. We beat the previous World Cup champion, Spain, 3-0. So everyone believed, well, next year, same weather, same stadium, same ball, same teams. We got this. But our team was not in the best shape. In fact, our coach, he won the, the World Cup in 2022. But after that, he didn't win any expressive championships. Our defense, they were not playing in their teams. They were sitting on the bench. Our goalkeeper was playing the powerful league of Canada and they are now you know very prone to soccer and our striker he was playing in Siberia so all of this to say that we had a tradition we knew how to play the game but we were not paying attention to the fact that the game always is being reinvented, updated. And the result was that we lost to Germany 7-1. And this is the result. We denied our good players at the time. We tried to stick with the good players that we had. And that's what happened. Now, if we read the Gospels, we're going to see that Israel often denied the new revelation that God was sending through Christ. Jesus uses that parable where he says that you cannot pour new wine on old wineskins because it will not hold the new wine. And also Jesus calls himself the new vine. Israel was known as being the vine the vine gives life, gives fruit. And Jesus is saying, I'm the true vine. So when we read the Gospels, we see that the Israelites, they were not receiving the revelation, the teachings of Christ. Many were stubborn in their hearts. And the way that John puts it is in his prologue, we can uh, read the verse 111. We're going to have it on the screen. It says that he came to his own people, but his own people 
did not receive him. And so this is the theme that we have in the book of John. Belief. I am writing those things so you may believe. But we also have this antagonistic element of the book that shows the unbelief of the Jews. So chapters 6 to 9 and 10, we have the Jews uh, not believing in Christ. And now we have this picture of this feast where the Jews are challenging Christ. Now, when we open our Bibles and we read scripture, we need to be attentive to some what I call hyperlinks. I'm thinking about places, feasts, names that will make us understand what we're reading. Just like when you open you know, Wikipedia and you have hyperlinks that will make you understand what you're reading. We have a hyperlink in this passage, the Feast of Dedication. Now, the Feast of Dedication was a feast that the Israelites had, and they were celebrating the rededication of the temple after the Maccabean Revolt. So, in the second century before Christ, century before Christ, the nation of Israel was being dominated by the Seleucid uh, Empire. And the king, uh, Antiochus, he built an altar to Zeus inside the temple and he prohibited, he pro prohibited the Jews to read the Torah and to practice the Torah. So one of the Kohen, the priests, he led a revolt and he expelled those people from the temple. And after a few days, they rededicated the temple to God. Now, when the priests went to light up the menorah, he found one container of oil that he thought that would last for a few hours. Because after the temple was defiled, they got rid of all the objects. And they, were, they had a big importance to the temple. Now he found a container and he lighted the menorah. And he thought it would take only a few hours, but it lasted for eight days. So even today, the Jews would celebrate the Feast of uh, Dedication or the Hanukkah. And they light the menorah. And... They light it for eight days. But as we read in our passage, we have Jesus. Jesus is the one who was going to clean the temple. He was going to destroy the temple and rebuild it after three days. And he was right before their eyes. But they rejected Jesus. Now, there's another thing that you need to know about the book of John is that John wrote his book, his gospel, after the destruction of the temple. And so he is trying to answer the question to the believers in the first century. Now that we don't have the temple, what do we do? 
And that's why John says, the Logos tabernacled among us. He's trying to answer the question, what do we do now that we don't have the temple? He's saying, Jesus is the temple. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He, through Jesus, we worship God. All right. This was the introduction. Now, let's go to our passage. Three points. And because you know what, you need to know what's going on, I'll give the three points right now. A believer fully relies on Jesus Christ. Two, a believer trusts in the claims of Jesus. And three, many, many will believe. Okay, so the Jews come and ask Jesus, and don't get this wrong. They were not questioning Jesus, are you the Messiah? We need to know. No, they wanted Jesus to say, I am he, so they could stone Jesus. They want Jesus to blaspheme so they can stole so they would have reasons to stone him so they were not questioning they already denied in their hearts and then Jesus' answer is this look if you don't believe what i say believe my works but you don't believe what i say and you don't believe in my works because you're not my sheep the sheep listens to my voice and follows me. See, faith is believing, understanding intellectually, and trusting in Jesus. It's not only knowing that he was a man. It's actually throwing everything away and following Jesus. I believe and I know that Alexander the Great was a warrior and that he existed. But he doesn't change anything in my existence. Now, when it comes to Jesus, I need to believe in him, believe in his work, and trust in him, rely on him, not trust in my own performance but trust in the work of the cross that he appeased the wrath of God and that is enough for my salvation. So a sheep listens and follows and leaves everything behind. And the text already gives us an illustration. Believer is like a sheep. Now, I never raised sheep Never took care of sheep. But this last week, I was house-sitting for Daryl and Howard at the same time. I know, it was crazy. Including myself, we were 40 animals uh, that I had to feed. Um, we had cats and dogs and bunnies and uh, fish and 30 chickens. It was a whole thing. And what is interesting is that they were dependent on me, which is crazy. I don't advise that. But it was every time I would arrive in the house, they were like dependent on me. They wouldn't eat without me. They wouldn't open the containers. They wouldn't drink anything without me. 
I, I felt very important. But the, the point is that the believer depends on Jesus. The Jews didn't want to depend on Jesus. They were expecting a warrior, a guy who would have a sword and a shield and would go against the Romans. But Jesus' war was against the flesh and the power of darkness. He wanted to free them from the power of darkness, the condemnation that is brought by sin. And his fight was not against flesh and blood. It was against hell, Satan, and sin. So this warrior that we have was Jesus, but he was not fighting against the Romans. But the Jews didn't want that. They wanted a warrior. And that's why they didn't entrust themselves to Jesus. Now, if we, if we read the, the Gospels, we see even Peter. When Peter gives his confession, you are the Christ, the Son of God, Jesus says, great, God revealed that to you. But then Jesus goes, and I'm going to die. And then Peter goes, no, 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 you're not going to die. And then Jesus goes, away from me, Satan. Because he knew that he needed to be a perfect sacrifice. So if you believe in Jesus, he's not going to do what you want. Maybe you start believing in Jesus and things don't go your way. You thought you would be... Things would go better in your workplace, in your family, in your health. But maybe at that time, it wasn't Christ's agenda. Christ's agenda was to make you holy. Was to deliver you from the power of sin. From the wrath of God. That was Jesus' agenda. So then, what should we believe what should we believe? If we're saying we should believe in Jesus and, and, and rely on him, what should we believe? Well, Jesus is claiming to be God. Here in verse 30, he says, I and the Father are one. So Christianity is believing in the claims of Jesus. And if you want to reimagine Christ's beauty, goodness, and truth, you have to understand the hypostatic union. Are you writing this down? Hypostatic union. Just because it's the intern here, you, you, you should still write things down. The hypostatic union. Why? So Christ is God, or Jesus is God in flesh. When we think about Christ... We need to think that, we need to imagine and understand that he was God. So the second person of the Trinity takes on flesh. And he performs the work of salvation. He takes on flesh. So Jesus is 100% man, 100% God. And so if we want to reimagine Christ, we need to have this very clear in our minds. We're not teaching here about a good teacher, about a good prophet, 
about a, a, only a good man that lived on earth and, and he's a nice guy. No, we're talking about God himself. The ruler of heaven and earth, walking on earth. The greatest theologian of all times, he, he helps us understand this. This is what St. Augustine writes. The maker of men was made man, that he who rules the stars nurse at his mother's breast, that the bread of life may hunger, the fountain thirst, the light sleep, the way be tired of its journey, that the truth accuse a false witness, the teacher be beaten with whips, the foundation be suspended on wood. He's talking about the cross. That strength might grow weak, that the healer might be wounded, that life might die. So when we read about Christ, we need to understand that he was God and man. He suffered on the cross as a man. He felt the pain of nails on his hands. But he was God. That was his identity. He had to be a perfect mediator. And he needed to be God and man. Because us, humankinds, we cannot perform what he did. We cannot obey perfectly the law the way he did. And we cannot offer sacrifices to God the way he did. We needed a God-man to fix our problem. In fact, the whole Trinity is involved in this. See how the Father gives the sheep to Christ and the Spirit will allow us to believe in Christ. I can preach here the whole day, but if the spirit doesn't move, nothing happens. So you're so much trouble that it takes the whole Trinity to save you. It's perfect how God plans and he operates in Christ Jesus. See, again, the Jews wanted a hero and we often want a hero. You know, many times people go to church because they see a rock star preacher and they are attracted to that. And then when something happens in their life, they go, oh, I don't believe in this anymore. We always want a hero. We always want artists to fulfill our hearts. And we, we want, you know, people to look at, but... We are preaching that God came down. He was not a hero the way they wanted, but he was God himself. A hero will let you do what you want and then save you. But God will save you and then tell you what to do. Go and sin no more. A hero will adapt to your lifestyle and will never confront you. But a God will make you carry a cross and deny your passions. A hero will wake up in the morning and try to save the world. 
but God will cause the sun to rise and put breath even in his enemy's lungs. I love this phrase and I wrote it, but I love this. God, Jesus was the very person that was putting breath in those enemies' lungs as they were going to stone him because he hold all things by the power of his word. But even though he knew and he had the control over all things and he knew that he had to go through those things so we could believe in him and receive his righteousness. So we're not preaching here that if you strive enough, if you live a good enough life, you'll be saved. No, we're preaching that the Savior became sin. He became a curse on the cross. So that if you look up to the cross and you believe in the Savior, you're going to receive his righteousness. A hero tried to defeat his enemies with superpowers, but Jesus defeated his enemies dying on the cross. And a hero will release you in order to save others. You see Spider-Man. He leaves one person here and then he jumps to another building and he saves another one and he's trying to juggle around. But Jesus is saying, nothing can snatch you out of my hands. The work is done. It's finished on the cross. Your sins, when you believe in Christ, are nailed on the cross. The curse of sin is nailed on the cross. The condemnation is nailed on the cross. And finally, many will believe. I love this. I was supposed to preach all the way through 39. And then we were like, no, we got to preach verse 40, 41, and 42. Why don't we open our Bibles again? And read those verses again. He went away again across the Jordan to the place where John had been baptized at first. And there he remained. And many came to him. And they said, John did no sign. But everything that John said about this man was true. And many believed in him there. Hallelujah. Now in the prologue, remember... John writes first, he came to his own, but his own people did not believe him. But then he writes this, verse 12. But to all who did receive him, who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Gave them the power to become children of God of God. This is why we come to church every Sunday. This is why we set up. This is why we plant churches. It's not because we're striving here and using knowledge to try to convince people. No, because God have his sheep scattered and we are just preaching the gospel and his sheep will come. His sheep will come. And I love how God is a specialist in turning rejection into opportunities. 
Christ is rejected at the temple. He leaves the temple and many believed in him just across the river. If we read scriptures, we see this happening again and again. Paul rejected at Jerusalem goes as a missionary and becomes the greatest missionary in the Bible that we read. He was the apostle to the Gentiles. Stephen was stoned by these same Jews. The church runs away. And like John preached last week, more churches were planted. Mark was re rejected by Paul in his second uh, missionary journey. And then he becomes a disciple of Peter. He writes a gospel. And then Paul, in his letter to Timothy, says, Timothy, bring my books, bring my sweater, and bring Mark, because he's useful to my ministry. So God is a specialist in turning rejection into opportunities. Even so, this church, um, Pastor Howard and Daryl tried to plant this church during COVID. And because of not knowing what was ahead of us, it was, or, or of them, it was hard to get partnerships. Um, but afterwards, God allowed them to plant this church. And we are seeing people coming here week after week. It's because God is sending his people and his sheep. And we are just preaching the gospel. And many will listen and believe. This is the comfort that we have. Maybe we don't see many fruits at first. But we have this comfort that God will send his sheep. And to finish... I love this. Acts 5, verses 12 to 15. Luke is now writing about the apostles after Christ is ascended. Now many signs and wonders were regularly done among the people by the hands of the apostles. And they were all together in Solomon's portico. The same place where Jesus was. None of the rest dared to join them, but the people held them in high esteem. And more than ever, believers were added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women, so that they even carried out the sick into the streets and on it goes. So afterwards, the apostles go back there. They perform wonders and many believers came. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for Jesus and the gift that we have in Jesus. I pray for those who are here in this morning that we may believe in him. That it, it may not be a, a knowledge. It may not be cultural, but it may be the reason of our entire existence. James says that even the devil believes. But faith without works is dead. Help us in our unbelief. Help us to lean more on Christ. To trust more 
in the work of Christ. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.